Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 64 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I'm joined by Metallica collector Wayne Summers. Now, for those of you who caught the last time Metallica performed on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, they performed Battery for the 35th anniversary of Master Puppets with the original Master of Puppets tour backdrop behind them. Well, they have not had that backdrop since the Master Puppets tour. No, no, no. They had it returned to them by none other than my guest in this episode, Mr. Wayne Summers. So Wayne is going to talk about how he got into the band and, of course, about how he got that backdrop and the story of him returning it to its rightful owners Metallica. So here's my conversation with Wayne Summers. My guest today is a man who is very well known among Metallica collectors. He was the owner of the original Master of Puppets tour backdrop, which he eventually returned to the band. You might have seen Metallica use it most recently on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert when they played Battery, celebrating the 35th anniversary of the Master of Puppets album. Please welcome to Metallicast, Wayne Summers. Wayne, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, my absolute pleasure. As soon as uh, I've actually known your story uh, a while for a while now as a Metallica nerd, and I just never really put the story with the name. And I had seen your name popped up on like the Metallica collectors Facebook groups, and I just never connected the dots until um, I was speaking to a couple other people, like Brian Silver, who's been on the show, and uh, Jason Long, who's been on the show. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to get Wayne. On Metallicast. It's <laughs> how has this not happened yet? So I want to start at the beginning. Before we get into your collection, the backdrop, all that great stuff, just tell me when did you first hear Metallica? How did you get into the band? Um, so that would have been um nineteen eighty-nine. So um I we mo- I moved and I um I ended up moving next. Uh, so I'm from a little island called Jersey in the Channel Islands, which is just in between England and France. Um, so it's like a nine miles by five miles, tiny remote island. Um, so we moved house and uh, I ended up moving next door to uh, the front man of a local heavy metal band. And uh, we went to the same school. So um we started hanging out after school playing like back then you're talking about like the mega drive console and then and the nez um so i'd go into his room and he literally would have posters from he was into everything from sort of like skid row to like entombed carcass death angel like everything and anything so um so we're hanging out and then I was like, do you mind if I borrow some of this stuff? Because like I was brought up on the Rolling Stones. So my late father was a massive Rolling Stones 
fan. Uh, so I got brought up on like Stones, Queen, nice, bit, yeah. of, bit of Thin Lizzy, Hollies, Shawaddy Waddy, like everything and ev- anything really. Um, so then I moved next door to this guy called Rob. So um, I said, do you mind if I borrow some stuff? And like, because you've got so much, so you tell me. And so he's like, right, I won't start you off too heavy. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three cassettes. So he gave me Appetite for Destruction by GNR. Yeah. He gave me Seventh Son of a Seventh Son by Maiden. And he gave me Justice on cassette. Awesome. And literally, I just played those three albums front to back um, for a few days. And I was just like, right, give me more. You know, that, that, <laughs> that, that, was, that, that was it. So I got into all sorts like, uh, you know, Pantera, Skid Row, Slayer. Right all sorts and everything but metallica obviously justice and then when he told me they had three other albums before that um there was just something about their music that back then just just stood out at a different level to me than everything else i was listening to at the time yeah that's fantastic i always ask this question for new guests because i think it's so fascinating to hear uh a person's entry point to the band because they've been around now for like 40 years. So there's people I've had on that like the first album I ever owned was death magnetic. And then there's people I've had on or like, I saw them in 81 in San Francisco on the, the third show they ever played. So it's, you know, it's a good variety, but it's funny to hear, you know, what their entry point is. And it's funny to think of people getting into them in the two thousands, but it's also probably funny for other people. Cause I got into them in the nineties. And I remember, the Black Album was my introduction to the band when I was really little. When I was in sixth grade, Load was the new album, and I bought Load. And then I had a similar reaction, just a different time period. I said, they have four albums before the Black Album? <laughs> and then, you know, Buy and Kill Em All. And I had the opposite reaction of all the 80s metalheads where I held Kill Em All and Load. And I'm like, they're not the same band. This band is yeah. suits and cocktails and cigars, and this band's all pimply and long haired and <laughs> it sounds completely yeah. different. This guy's voice is higher. <laughs> yes. A lot of fans, you know, it's, it's very well talked about, isn't it? That the black album was a kick in the face to the hardcore fans back then. And, but it, you know, at the end of the day, bands are businesses. Obviously you play music that what you love, but at that time, by creating the Black Album, I think a lot of us old school fans, I, I consider myself an old school fan by listening to them in the 80s. I, I never got to see them live until 1997. But I, I think a lot of us now is when we go and see them live, you hear Sandman, you hear Sad But True, you hear Nothing Else Matters. Always in the second half, usually in the second half, sometimes Sad right. But True's up front. But I think, Back then, I remember getting the Black Album on the cassette and I didn't listen to Holier Than Thou, which is the third track. I didn't listen to that song for probably an hour and a half because I would <laughs> I listened to Sandman, then Sad But True. And I thought that they were so amazing when I first heard them that yeah. I'd flip the cassette over, fast forward to the end <laughs> and just play those two tracks again. Yeah. Now, if I listen to the Black Album, I start at Holier Than Thou. <laughs> right. <laughs> so do you know i think it's like any band like guns and roses with sweet child sure. of mine nirvana with sweet smells yeah. like teen spirit you've heard certain songs so much that you're just like you still love them but you're just like 
Nah, you know. 100%, 100%. That's why, like, over time, like, My Friend of Misery has probably become my favorite Black Album song. I mean, one, it's a great song, but two, it just never gets the same love as a lot of the rest of the album because there's so many staples and classics on that record. And then even some of the deeper cuts get a little bit more attention, you know, for one reason or another. But it's funny, like with uh, you mentioned Appetite for Destruction before and GNR, it's like when I put on that, I love that album from start to finish and I'm not denying yeah, any of the songs. But when I put that album on, 99.9% of the time, I click right to It's So Easy and start on track two. And then, you know, I click over Paradise City. I click over Sweet Child of Mine. <laughs> yeah, just because you've heard it in every bar that you've ever been in for the last 20 or 30 exactly. years. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. So how did you get into collecting Metallica? And that can sort of lead into the the backdrop, the Master of Puppets yeah. backdrop. So again, this is again like a intro I think it's quite an interesting story. So my oldest friend, uh, who's also from Jersey, so we've known each other now for uh, 37, 38 years, he's a huge Queen fan. So he's been collecting Queen since he went to university. Um, so we he ended up working abroad. So for about 10 years of our life, we kind of like didn't really keep in touch very much. But we met randomly in London. We bumped into each other randomly in London, like when I moved over from Jersey. So we became like, you know, we kept in touch again and then brian ended up getting married and moving over to to the uk and uh we used to meet up like once a month so he was like hey i'm going today instead of you coming to mine or me coming up to yours i'm actually going into london into, into victoria because there's a huge record fair so i just want to put so we can do that and then go to a couple of bars in london so i was like sure. yeah okay that's a that sounds like a good idea i'll, I'll walk around with you so anyway, four hours later and about $500 in your currency, <laughs> I'm, wa- I'm walking out of this record fair buying more stuff than what my friend has in Metallica stuff than what he's bought in Queen. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny because we ended up going back to his and you know you get the Facebook timeline, like time hops, right, yeah. memories. So obviously each year, that goes by i think it was i want to say it was 2012 2012 i think it was and and there's just a photo i was that excited i didn't wait until i got to my own house as <laughs> soon as i got back to his i pulled out all the vinyl and a couple of japanese cds i think and some seven inch and yeah i took a i took a photo and you know and then so since then um at the height of my, my collection now as I'm looking at some of it on the shelves, is probably half of what it was. At the height of my collection, I, I was up at about £100,000. Oh, wow. So that's about, yeah. now in your terms, that's about $140,000. Yeah. Um, so at, at the height of it, I had 912-inch, uh, about 157-inch, um, about... 800 CDs, 500 cassettes, 500 picks, all different. Um, over 100 posters. Um, I've got 95% of all the official glassware they've ever released. I'm trying to now picture my room upstairs <laughs> and what's and what and, 
So I had all the fan cans. I had all the bubble heads, um, every long box. Um, I I collected everything. So I I wasn't... You see some people like Joe Pacella. He's the T-shirt god. Brian Silver, the the signature god. Um, um, uh, Who's that amazing, lovely... Andreas Elker in Germany. He's the pick god. Um, So... I would say I've had quite a well-rounded collection, but I never specialised in one like some people. I The only things that I never fell in love with collecting-wise was the shift knobs because I think by the time I started collecting, there was no sort of entry point at a low price point into them. And I think 2012, 13, I might be wrong. I'm sure I'll get a PM and go, Oh no, the (laughs) the market. But I just remember at that sort of time thinking, well, I can buy a vinyl for $20. I can buy a set for $10. I can't buy a for less than a hundred dollars. Right. Does that make sense? So I think, I think at that point I just was that was the one thing I kept off of my resume kind of thing like <laughs> no nope, I've got to draw the line somewhere and and I've it's this I'm going to say something that's like quite I think quite a sad statement in that I've had the most joy in my 9 years of collecting because I still now collect 7 inch cassettes picks uh, CDs so I'll never sell any of that um but i've had more joy and satisfaction out of finding a rarish item and telling my queen friend about it because i and this isn't aimed at anybody personally in the collectors group because it isn't it's a need 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 mentality sometimes in the mm-hmm. collectors world especially when you're talking about limited and as i've got older and collected more the it's more of I I fit, and again I might be wrong, but it comes across that some people it's almost like I buy something to show everybody what I've got. Right. I, I I sometimes question how personal it is to them, or is it a look at me? And they're, they're, and I can't. I'm genuinely not thinking of any names. It sure. might just be. It might just be because it's language barriers with collectors across the world that when they post in the collectors and then people comment on it, mm-hmm. you know, if someone puts something up that's limited to, you know, 10 copies or something like that, do, do you understand what I'm saying in totally, that? Totally, totally, yeah. And I think, you know, you know the fact that, uh, you know, social media exists, I think, you know, helps kind of feed into that even if that's not the intent it's you know it, they can you know here look at all my stuff and it might not yeah. that might not be the intent even but it can no. you know come across like that when there's just so much uh like i gotta post this i gotta post that and outside of collecting outside of metallic i know people who you know i go on my personal facebook and there's people who post every little detail of their life and i'm like i don't need to know any of this so it's like you know when it comes to like your collection and it's just like you you start posting and posting and posting i think it's almost like a little bit of an addiction and part of your like collection process for some people you know yeah they're, they're true it's like the the because i'm now i'm like i in the last i think six to nine months i've i've been lucky enough to join phil blackadder's um admin team so with derek mccarthy oliver rogel in germany stephen sandoval down 
down under and obviously Brian Silver as part of that admin team. So I watch and I'm you, you're almost like every single post that goes into the group now, you're you're on alert of doing it just to sort of keep the group rules in line. And the one that always gets me and I have to bite my tongue because I'm pretty <laughs> I'm a and a lot of people when they hear this will nod to this who know me. I'm very opinionated. Uh I do you know what I mean? I you know, I sometimes think before I speak, but the one where I have to now as an admin bite my tongue is when someone says I'm looking for this item and someone decides to go into their personal collection, take said item off of shelf, take a photo, post said photo in the group. Oh, I've got one. <laughs> that's not for sale and not I'm for like, sale not for trade but I, hey I'm, i got what you're looking for <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna slap you in the face and just show you what you're looking for and i'm just like oh no step step, step away no but don't get me wrong like i like i mentioned joe Casella, brian silver i'm very lucky enough that i've into his house and seen you know i i've seen the holy grail collection and i tell you what and i'm not just saying this because like i've only met brian or twice we met at the snm2 shows as well um in september 2019 but he genuinely is one of those don't get me wrong he is very proud of the items he has but he he literally when i went down into his like you know the the dungeon um (laughs) He just let me have my own time down there. He didn't go, hey, you've got to look at this. You've got to look at that. Oh, what do you reckon this? I paid this for that. He wasn't like that. He literally just like let me take it all in in my own time. And like I've been to a couple of like Dirk Benker. Now, me and him, he might not. I don't know if you know him. He's a big collector in Germany. And he specializes, I think, in the justice era. Right. And he genuinely has some like he's like got a wow collection because he he really like um, centers in on that. Um, and I've met some great great people who are like Bill Sonneville. I did a charity waffle today. Um, there's a new guy in our group called Peter Ryan who knew um, who toured with Metallica. Didn't tour with them, but he went to watch a lot of shows in the UK in the eighties. And I know a couple of people who saw a lot of shows in the 80s. And back then, before they were huge, if they saw your face at two or three shows in a row, they were very welcoming, very accommodating. Sure, yeah. You know, the crew members were going into the bars just like they are now. So mm-hmm. he's told, you know, I've got to speak to him a little bit. And I helped him. He he donated a Met Club fully signed 2011 shirt to the All Within My Hands. Oh, awesome, yeah foundation and we raised nine hundred and thirty dollars in this past week and that's just the guy doesn't have to do that do you know what i mean and i just think that's such a lovely touch and yeah and i can i because i have seen 84 shows of metallica and 50 in the last six seven years i can fly to any show now alone anywhere and I'm going to know someone or someone will hook me up and go, Hey, you coming here? Let's meet up. And yeah, yeah, it really is a family, you know, with anybody, I don't get on with everyone. There'll be people who listen sure. to this and go, ah, oh, don't, you know, but, <laughs> but 
the collecting thing so many like chris johnson last one before i go on to the backdrop story in 2015 uh, we went to quebec um remember those pepsi shirt the PepsiCo shows oh, the yeah, 12th yeah, and yeah. the 14th where yeah. they closed one arena and opened another. Yeah. So, so I went over there with Glenn Nordbo and, uh, who's the, Nor- my Norwegian buddy. And, um, we, he said, right in between the shows, he's like, right, we're going for lunch with Joe Pacella. So, right. Cool. So Chris Johnson had bought some seven inch from me. So instead of shipping it to Canada, because obviously you have to remortgage your house to pay for shipping in and out of Canada. (laughs) So I was like, hey, dude, I'm going to the Quebec shows. I'll bring the seven inch with with you with me and we'll we'll find a time and place to meet up. So anyway, he got an invite to the lunch. So I was like, hey, come to the lunch. I'll bring the seven inch. So anyway, we turn up at this restaurant. Joe Pacella's there. Glenn. Ray Burton's there. The great late did not know until I walked in and I'm literally tapping someone on the shoulder going, that's that's Ray Burton, isn't it? Oh, my Lord. Nick Lloyd was there. Another uh, he's from Met World with Steve Gill, Mm -hmm. um, big UK fan who's traveled the world. And we literally sat on this massive long table, had lunch with the with the Burton family. And then afterwards, Ray sat with me, Nick chris glenn and we got to ask him questions for about an hour about cliff and uh, genuinely at the end of it when when we left like the five of the four six of us who were in that little huddle we were just like looked at each other and went did that really just happen like you know and chris johnson's like that's the best lunch i've ever had (laughs) (laughs) and the best seven inch purchase ever i got to meet ray burton for like four hours you know that is amazing Um, but um so going back to so so i started collecting 2012 and then it got quite i had quite a bit of i guess spare cash back at that time and just going to record fairs and just caught the bug of it was just a game to find like you know the different like using discogs as a bit of a sure as a as a um like a spreadsheet to work off of and like right so i've got that one right tick that off add it in right so then i'd go to these record fairs and i then started doing ebay searches so anyway one day in 2015 i'm scrolling through and i see this master of puppets backdrop so back then obviously i'm friends with quite a lot of collectors and i'm like i'm not telling anybody about this (laughs) (laughs) now i'm sure everybody else who was collecting my thought process was everybody else because when you when i clicked into i think it had like say two or three days left to go and it had like 35 watches it was only up to about 300 400 dollars i remember when i first saw it I knew it was in the UK. So I was like, right, I'm going to message the guy. So I messaged the guy, asked him a few questions. He gave me a, you know, he's like, dude, my inbox has just blown up, you know? So I was like, okay, thanks very much for your time and stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll place a bid and, uh, uh, you know, get back to you, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, on the Saturday, cause I remember it ended on a Saturday. Right. So anyway, it's a friend's it's one of my friend's 40th birthdays on this saturday so i've got it in my watch list 
I've got I've got my phone. I've got three alarms set. <laughs> right. So like thirty minutes, fifteen minutes, and five minutes. Right. <laughs> so so the first one goes off, and I'm looking at it's about like I don't know four five hundred dollars, and I'm like, right, okay, yeah. So I'm going to snipe this late on. So you know, yeah. got my got my bid in my head. I'm like, I'm ninety percent sure this is real. <laughs> you know, again. Back then, though, I was like you speak to some collectors and like, you know, like Steve Gill, I, 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 I became very good friends with him at, the, at that sort of time by touring and we met and stuff like that. And right. he was part of Hector's top 100. You, have you heard of Hector? No. Right. So Hector is um, he was he lived in London and he created, I think, along with Steve Gill and maybe others. But Hector had a top 100 before the internet basically i think uh, blew up he uh, and before ebay really took over he created a top 100 collectible item so obviously oh, cool. you look at yeah, yeah. you look at it you look at it now and you just think that's not a top 100 collectible but anyway like yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> you know goes go, goes through so and now i've just lost my train of thought of where i was so you're you have your phone you have the oh yeah sorry set up. yeah yeah so the first one goes off and I'm thinking, yeah, no problem whatsoever. Cool. It's still at that, right? I'll come in. Second one goes off and uh, we end up moving bar. And I was like, right, guys, I have like if we walk into that next bar and there's no Wi-Fi, here's my card <laughs> right, to, my, to my mate. I was like, look, just get the round in. I need to make sure that I place a bid on this one. They're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Anyway, long story short, I've missed. I've missed the auction, haven't I? I've missed the end of the auction. Oh my god! So I'm like, fuck. so anyway, <laughs> I'm like, ah, reserve not met. So the reserve wasn't met on this on this thing, and it sold for something really stupid, like five hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. Oh wow! So anyway, so I've messaged. I by the time I've realised this, and I've just I was annoyed with myself for a while, and I'm just like. What an idiot. Can't believe I've missed that. So anyway, carried on with my 40th friend's birthday. Woken up the next day, probably lunchtime, late morning lunchtime, feeling rather worse worse for wear. Checking my eBay and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, the backdrop ended yesterday. Oh, Christ's sake, it's nearly like, you know, 20 hours ago. Anyway, so I sent the guy a message and going, hey, completely forgot remember we chatted in the week forgot to bid on your thing i was out for a birthday party didn't bid on it i'm guessing it's gone but could you just tell me how much you sold it for because i know your reserve didn't meet and he said thank you very much for replying to me i think he said something like i was the 21st person to message him <laughs> but i was the first from england mm. and because this thing weighed about 10 or 12 I think it weighed about 12, 14 pounds. Yeah. He was like, look, this is how much I want for it. I've got people who have offered me slightly more or more, in fact, but they live in USA or they live in Australia or Canada. Right. You know, if you're interested, I literally was putting my shoes on reading this email thinking, Right. I know he lives about 120 miles north of me. <laughs> I'm just going to reply on the whim, like, you know, so he's yeah. chucked me. He's chucked me his phone number in a because eBay doesn't allow you to do that. So he's done it in some sort of code that's got through. So I've rung him up 
and literally he's like right when could i do you mind if i come and view this and he's like no i'd rather you come and look at it before i you know i'd love to sell it to someone in the uk first so i've grabbed grabbed the wad of cash out of my because i used to <laughs> you know keep a bit of cash so i've i've put two stacks of money in each pocket thinking, well, I don't want to show my cards too soon. Yeah. I've driven a hundred miles in about an hour <laughs> and I've met him in this McDonald's car park. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, so this guy comes over, Hey, pleased to meet you. Yeah. Thanks very much. So he's like, hang on a minute. So we're in this, like in the corner of this McDonald's car park. So everybody definitely thinks you're dealing drugs. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, because we're nowhere near the McDonald's. We're like right in the corner by no exit or entrance, you know, like two. Do- so anyway, he and then he brings this cardboard box, which is fit for the tip. It was like in you can tell it was the box that this backdrop has been stored in for yeah. decades. So anyway, he pulls it out and unravels it. And this just the smell. The smell of it straight away, I was like, that is it. There is yeah. no way anybody has faked this. And at the top and the bottom, because it would have been held, you can see in the 86 things, you know, how they they hold backdrops, you know, like the clamps sure. at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whoever had taken this backdrop had knifed because those clamps would have been mm. very heavy and very long, obviously, because right. um, it was 30 foot by 20 foot. Um, so, and you could see the slash, um, you know, the knife marks and they weren't exactly straight and no one did it with any due care and attention. So anyway, he rolls this out and I'm like, all right, I'd love to own, you know, I, I would love it. Come on. What, what have you been offered? What would you like? And it literally blows the mind of how little he wanted for it because he basically was getting divorced and he was getting married again. Yeah. And, th- and this was how much money he was short of paying um, for his new like bride's, uh, his wife's r- wedding ring. So I didn't even have to dip into the second batch of my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I drove back down with like $1,500 in one You're pocket. You're like, I thinking, made money off this. <laughs> I'm like, this is unreal. Literally. And I, like and then he told me so i was like go on. so i asked him obviously the story because i didn't want to give too much away on the ebay thing i just asked enough questions and he he basically said that the guy who the guy who stole it worked for the lighting and rig company that metallica had employed yeah in in for that uk leg um and then obviously when he heard of cliff's passing he thought the band whatever just right so that yeah. got taken. He was dating someone who worked in a pub. Um, they split up two years later, and the landlady one day in the pub brought this box down and said, I'm going to trim this and put it on the wall. Oh, God, yeah. And the guy I ended up buying the backdrop from was one of her regulars, was sat at the bar and went, no, you're not. <laughs> I saw I saw them on that tour in 1986. You tell me how much money you want for it, and I'm buying it from you. Yeah. And apparently he said it took between three and six months for him to persuade her oh, wow. not to cut it up 
so that it would fit on the wall. And then he owned it from, I think he said, from 1988 or 89 until I got it in 2015. That's incredible. So, yeah, just uh, I'm totally shocked that no one else. I, I reckon so many collectors would have seen it and just went, can't be. Because the pictures weren't amazing, I don't think, yeah. from, from memory. and Just unbelievable how just right place, right time. Pure luck. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Pure, yeah, yeah, pure yeah. luck. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so what led to the return of the backdrop to Metallica? So... On the 2015, uh, I was in Europe, so we're now talking August, and I was on tour, and we were in Gothenburg in Sticky Fingers, which is a nightclub. They're having a pre... You yeah. know what the Metallica world's like. It's <laughs> yeah. not a Metallica show without a Metallica pre-party. Exactly. In fact, some of the pre-parties are more memorable than some of the shows. <laughs> I, there's been a couple of shows I wish I remembered more because of the pre-parties. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're sat there drinking water thinking, yeah. oh, oh, you really should have not had that last tequila at 3 a.m. And then know? like the next day you're looking at the set list, you're like, they played that song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really? I, 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 oh, yeah, I remember that. Totally, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, so we're in, so we're in, I remember it. So we're in Sticky Fingers in Gothenburg in this pre-party. And once you've, like then, like you're doing, like in the US, like in, they were doing like, I think, six shows in 12 days or something like that. And, so we're there at this pre-party and someone someone who I'm with basically says, Oh, there's Nelson from the crew and a couple of the crew members and you start to you start to recognise the guys because like they did yeah. the by request show tour, so I managed to get lucky and that was the two thousand and fifteen. So I'd already been on stage a couple of times and back in twenty fourteen, lucky enough to go in the snake pit. So once you start doing 10 12 shows per tour you start to know a couple of the crew don't you so right. so anyway so i get introduced to nelson and by this time i've had probably like six pints of cider and a couple of sex on the beach cocktails so <laughs> someone who weighs 140 pounds i'm like you know i'm on my last legs you know what yeah. i mean and trying to drink with the my norwegian buddies glenn and ola i don't know if you know those two no but if you picture a Norwegian yeah. Viking in your mind, then you're not far off. I instantly right? had an image pop into my head. So, <laughs> well, One story was in, I want to get this right, in Copenhagen in the 2000, was it 2017 or the 2019 reshow? Glenn, I think he spent 2,000 euros. So one, his first round was literally 12 pints and 12 shots. <laughs> Like he can drink a pint quicker. He drinks four pints drink quicker than I can drink four pints of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is like Neil Morgan, who's seen Metallica 150 odd times in 2004. When I first met Glenn and Ola, and then me and Neil were going on the next leg of the tour. And I said, Neil, because Neil's a bit of a legend for liking 10 pints on tour, right? <laughs> yeah. I said, you've met your match. And I was going on and on. I said, wait till you two meet Glenn and Ula. It's like, where do they put it? 
So we are in Rome. We are in Rome and at the pre-party. And I swear they nearly killed. Me and Neil Morgan walked the wrong way up a motorway in Italy <laughs> at about 1am with no lighting. And I, I don't know how we survived. <laughs> But anyway, we're back in we're back in Sweden at this at this pre party. So anyway, and I'm just like half cut, and I've just got my phone out and gone. I've done what I said that I don't like people doing, haven't I? I've got my phone out and gone. Yeah. Look what look what I own. <laughs> and Nelson, Nelson, I've never seen someone sober up so quickly in front of me. You know, they're all laughing and going, "Oh yeah, that's good." And then Nate uh, Nelson's taken a second look at my phone and gone holy cow it's not is it so he's gone is that legit is that for real and like all the people obviously in my cr- in my crowd were like yeah, yeah, yeah he bought he bought that last bought that last month or recently on 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 ebay like, yeah it's the real one from the puppets tour so Nelson literally is like, right, me and you need to have a chat. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I know someone who wants to have a chat with you about this. So anyway, he's like, dude, can I have your number or an email? Um, are you at the show tomorrow? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at the show. I said, I'm actually going to be on stage. Um, I'm going to be on stage with Glenn. And uh, so he was like, fine, um, right, we'll be in touch with you tomorrow. So anyway, so you get to the get to the show. Don't hear. Oh, I, I got an email from Zach Harmon. So Zach Harmon was the person who mm-hmm. I met. So, um, so, uh, so I get an email on on that next day, on the day of the show. Right? Hey, I heard you spoke with Nelson. I'd really like to chat to you and see the photos on your phone, if you don't mind. Um, when's a good time to meet up? So I explained to him in an email going to the show. I'm actually on stage. So literally 20 minutes, don't hear anything else, get into the stadium, obviously I've got notes, so I sent him a photo of myself, like of what I look like, um, get, turn 20 minutes before the show, I get a tap on the shoulder, hey you Wayne, hi I'm Zach, yeah yeah, H- how you doing, right, can I can I see the photos, I literally showed Zach the photos, and he takes his glasses off and he's having a good like, look at the <laughs> three or four photos, and he's like, right okay um right um <laughs> like literally like completely lost his train you know come across you could tell yeah. he was you could tell in his head he was like because afterwards when i met lars and speaking to zach quite a bit they they obviously the band get quite a lot of people who say they've got this they've got sure. that or to try and get to meet the guys or whatever yeah so i'm just like completely oblivious to this going yeah i own it like okay so so zach's like right um are you going to the reading or leeds shows because they were doing so it was gothenburg and then i think it was um saint petersburg moscow leeds festival reading festival in in england so i said yeah i'm going to both of those um hey you know just get in touch and i can happily bring it to one of the shows if you if you want so email dialogue blah 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 he's like right could you um can you bring it up to the leeds festival show so that's about 200 miles from where i live mm-hmm. so anyway on the day of the show i thought right i don't think i'm coming home with this yeah so i had a back garden and no word of a lie my back garden was 30 foot by 20 foot wow so on the morning of the show so 
we had had the reading the reading show and then like two days before and then gone home right yeah, packed yeah. stuff because we've got to go up north pre-party so um on the day of the show i roll out this thing take it out the box take a few photos so i was with a couple of friends at the mm-hmm. time my buddy barry from ireland so we take a few selfies with it. I've got one of me draped to, to, to the, it only, only had I put it online very recently. Cause I, I thought it was a bit like, it was just me of me, like, you know, doing, <laughs> doing, swanning myself, showing off like on it, like, you know, right. but I'd never had ever put that online. So anyway, we drive all the way to Leeds and I'm literally five miles from, from the venue and I phoned Zach and uh, I and I phoned him and said, "Hey Zach, um, Wayne Summers here. We're literally five minutes from the from from the venue. Um, we've got day tickets, but I've been to Leeds Festival before, and this thing weighs about you know in the box nearly fifteen pounds. So, is there anywhere? Do you want me to meet you near the entrance and I give it to you? Or and he was like, "Right, can you um, hang on a minute?" Give me, give me two minutes. I'll meet you by the artist entrance. So drive up to the festival, head for the artist's um, arrivals. When you get to the checkpoint, just wait there. Explain to the guy that Zach Harmon from Metallica is going to come and meet you. So I was like, right, so park up. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes go by. The security guard's looking at me and um, and he's going, is this guy for legit? I'm, I'm, I'm decked out in my Metallica shorts, <laughs> wristband, <laughs> favourite T-shirt, and I've got my Ride the Lighting Converse on. And they're probably thinking, this nutjob stalker, like, you know. So anyway, 10, 15 minutes go by and suddenly I see Zach walking, you know, because it, it's quite a long pit lane to to walk down so zach walks down speaks to the security guard next thing i know the gate goes up in we drive so i park my car next to baby metals tour bus (laughs) so it's like you're it's like something out the twilight zone do you know what i mean you're like living so so obviously the people in the car are like Baby, I'm like, yeah, yeah, come, come just calm down, like, you know, So we get out the car. We get out the car. Nelson's with Zach, and they come and say hello to me. Baby metal walk past us. I'm like, we're all like trying to lit. What is going on? So anyway, so I hand the box to Zach and Nelson, and next thing they give, they're like, oh, how many is there of you? Three of us, okay. So they give us three lunch passes. So he's like, right, here's a here's an access thing. Hit, go into the Go into the artist tent mm-hmm. and go and have lunch, <laughs> and I'll come in and get you. So Deftones were in there. There's like yeah. baby metal in there. All these yeah. bands. So anyway, I don't know. However long after they come back in, and Zach's basically like, "Yeah, it's legit. Um, we can't give you any money for it. What do you want?" suddenly my mind goes completely and i'm like <laughs> right how do you even answer that how do you answer that yeah, like you know exactly it's like yeah how do you how do you like <laughs> answer what do you want and and i was just like look me and a couple of my friends have never met metallica um you know i don't have anything signed personally i you know from the band 
Right. So you're trying to think on your feet. And at that time, So What, the So What magazine was uh, was coming to the end, but we didn't know that. So the three things I asked for was a meet and greet, um, uh, a signed item, so a signed guitar, um, and uh, I would love a piece in the So What magazine. Awesome. And then afterwards, you kind of think, well, I didn't ask for a free ticket for life. Like, or, you know what I mean? Like, how could they say no? I had their crown jewels. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but still to this day, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't speak to Zach very often, but there's been times where, like, um, probably once a year, if I'm at a show that he's at that's not very busy, um, you know, because they obviously, wherever they go in the world, they've he, Zach's known people for years. So, sure probably because i've probably gone to 10 15 shows every year since 2014 15 he he will always meet up with me once yeah. uh, i've been lucky enough to go backstage a couple of the t- couple of times nice. um he gives me a handful of pics when he can and do you know what i mean they owe me nothing but so yeah. many fans have said why did you give that back like you know it's like but it's like i i what what do you do in that situation it's like okay but it's technically theirs like it's giving it back to you know the people who kind of like giving it back to the rightful owner in a on a not that you had it out of you know not that it was no. wrong that you had it or anybody else had it but you know you're returning to his rightful owners that obviously it's uh something that they desired to have and they put it to good use on stephen colbert when they played battery so oh. what, was, what was that like seeing what was in your garden and now is hanging up behind them for the first time since uh when did the 86? tour end 86 87 yeah 20 21st or 22nd of of um so, so that backdrop never went to europe that okay. they had a different so that that one wasn't in so that was literally the london show the hammersmith that was that was the last time it was played um, Got it. behind so uh they they played in front of it um I'd spoken to Zach a few times and he said, look, we've restored it. We're looking for somewhere to put it up. We can't put it up in HQ because of the acoustics and it's too damn big. <laughs> so I obviously knew they were playing that show, but Zach hadn't told me they were, because again, we don't speak. I don't like to bother him. I don't sure. want to be that nutty fan that has to message yeah. him every week yeah. and hey, stuff Zach, like hey, that. Zach, hey, Zach. Hey, yeah, Zach. exactly. <laughs> no, no, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I woke up the next morning because of obviously it was, I was asleep in the UK when it happened in America. And I was like, I have a lot more notifications on (laughs) Facebook than what I usually do at this time of the morning. What's happened? (laughs) So anyway, you're like, who died? (laughs) Who died? Yeah. Yeah. Who's died or what's happened? Who's released something, something major has happened. Like, you know, so obviously my inbox and tags on Facebook and I'm like, wow, this is simply like, it, it was just, honestly, it was just so nice to genuinely not want any or not want much from it and for it to go back to them and to see them. I could imagine, cause I know from, I, I got the honor of James asked to meet me. So when we got the meet and greet in 2015, it was just, uh, not just, but it was Rob, Kirk, and Lars. So James obviously had stopped doing the yeah. the meet and greets off his own back. So I, they didn't say to me I was going to meet James. There was no talk about that whatsoever. 
Um, so at the end of the meet and greet, Zach and Jeff turned to me and said, hey, James, is, James would like to, to speak to you. So that was wow. like, and from that chat backstage of the Leeds Festival, I know how much it meant to him to, because he, James owns the, the last Thin Lizzy backdrop that was ever played because cliff was such a huge thin lizzie fan yeah so he was like literally genuinely i thought this was the closest we'd ever get to you know seeing that backdrop so you know and he he dedicated seek and destroy to me at the lees festival which you know in front of a hundred thousand people's and then at the end of the song he came and found me in the because that was still but the by request on stage and he sure. handed me he handed me the pick that he used seek and destroy oh, with wow. so that to that to me was more than enough than me ever ask it there's nothing you can yeah, i mean there's no ask for. there's no yeah. price tag you can put on something like that that's just a priceless memory that's personal to you now so it's, it's like you got this amazing piece of metallica history and music history, history but it did, then it just turned into a really awesome personal moments that i mean i think of all the metallica fans that would rather have what you got in the end than that backdrop you know so it, yeah no it, and i feel an vindicated i feel vindicated by giving it back because my inbox like joe Pacella, i keep mentioning him because every year it comes up in the timeline he just messages me <laughs> one line you're a better man than me <laughs> and i'm genuinely not right i'm not half the guy he is right but he's like there is no way after smelling that and owning that could i give it back but in in my meet and greet i did joke because lars was joking he's like hey do you have the crosses you know yeah and i joked and said i said lars you're lucky that thing was 30 feet by 20 feet because if it was 15 by 10 you might not have seen it because it could have fitted on my wall and he he like half laughed and was like i hope you're not serious i was like no it's always going back to you buddy always going back to you but um on the day of like the day after that show i obviously messaged zach and zach and said wow thank like that's amazing that's like that's like a full circle isn't it it's like it's gone it's like that's closure you know of that backdrop and i actually just changed my cover photo on on facebook two days ago to because someone posted the 1986 image of that backdrop oh yeah yeah, and then someone someone did it with the 2021 and i just thought that's a lovely amazing it's a lovely you know so very lucky just the right place at the right time and just happened to be a person who believed that it should go back to like you said earlier to the rightful owners well, thank you so much, Wayne, for coming on Metallicast, sharing your story. You're welcome back anytime. Next time you come on, we'll just do a, a general Metallica talk if you're interested. I'd talk love that. Favorite album, song, concerts you've been to. I know you've been to tons. So let's get you back on sooner than later, and we'll dive back into Metallica. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to Wayne Summers for coming on Metallicast. It was a blast talking to him. I could have talked to him for three more hours, but I actually had to end the conversation. So I'm hoping to have 
Mr. Summers back on sooner than later so we can continue talking about all things Metallica. If you liked what you heard and you are new to the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, download, and leave a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please give me a follow on social media at Metallica's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All that goes a long way in helping the podcast continue to grow on my quest for world domination. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, mill up your ass. Yeah! Fans not experts.